Before I get started, I just need to share with you that as the next speaker in this new series, I have the Fitbit anointing. I'm so pleased it came this week, and after a heart review and MOT, I'm pleased to share with you that my heart is in good shape. And if you're interested, Paul, I've got a resting heart rate of 60, or a bit below. Apparently, that's good. Anyway, today my subject is a heart for justice, David, a man after God's own heart. In this new series, we're looking at what it means to be like David, a man after God's own heart. And last week, Paul laid out clearly why David was chosen to be king. We saw that it wasn't a question of outward appearances, size, qualifications or experience. It was a question of calling, anointing and the state of his heart. He showed us how the difficult times David went through were all part of his training to be king and how we too must learn how to surrender our hearts to God in the difficult times so that we can grow, learn and change to be a people after his own heart. And that's the challenge that Paul left us with. Are our hearts ready and open to be changed by God? And as Rob said, how is your heart? And that's exactly where I want to pick up today, looking at our own hearts and doing a heart MOT and asking God to give us a heart that is after his. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to be open to hear from you today. Help us to become aware of those things in our own lives that you want to change to make us a people who are after your own heart. It's not a work we can do in our own strength. We can only do it through the power of your Holy Spirit. So as we open our hearts and minds to you today, through your word, would you have your way among us? Amen. I'm going to talk to you today about God's heart for justice through the story of David and Goliath. But before we get into it, let me just share with you something of my own heart for this subject and why it is this talk that has inspired me to do my first ever preach. It was when I was at university studying to be a teacher. I studied theology and teaching, but in my last year did a specialism on black theology and liberation theology, which is a theology of the poor, which was life-changing. I became so overwhelmed by the injustices of race and poverty that I took a year out, went to Brazil and worked with a Brazilian seminary and a church in Sao Paulo. I was keen to learn how the Brazilian evangelical church responded to the injustices faced in their society and how they applied their faith to their social setting. And I had no idea what that experience was going to do to my own heart. That year has honestly changed my life. God broke my heart for what breaks his, which in broad terms is a heart response to injustice. From that point, I have consistently sought to apply God's heart for justice to my own faith with a practical 
and social outworking. If you're to ask Rob what some of my most used phrases are, they would include words like, that's not right, that's not fair. I also feel a kind of involuntary anger that bubbles up as a response to any expression of injustice in pretty much whatever form. So some of the message I want to share with you today is something of my own journey. I'm not an expert on this subject by any means, but I do have a heart for justice, and that heart, I believe, comes from God. And I believe that he wants to share that same heart for justice with all of us today. So what is justice, and what has it got to do with David and Goliath? Firstly, justice. There are so many different definitions Some of them are social, political, economic and criminal definitions, all of which are important. But I want to give you my own biblically inspired working definition, which is walking rightly before God and with our fellow man, where we see that everything else comes from that place of relationship. The two greatest commands we've been given in the Bible are to love God and to love our neighbours as ourselves. Loving God requires action in the way that we treat our neighbours. When we walk rightly with God, we will walk rightly with our fellow man, calling down kingdom values into everyday life, justice right there from God's perspective and throne. Righteousness is about walking rightly with God and it's closely connected to the issue of justice. It's about our walk with God and knowing that that compels us to righteous living, to living rightly. So what has justice got to do with David and Goliath? Well, as this is such a well-known story, I'm not going to read it all for you today but I am going to refer to it closely and there are a few key verses that I want to share with you so that you can see that it is actually all about injustice. You'll find the full story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. We'll take a look at Goliath, then David, and then what our heart response should be to injustice. The first person you meet in the story is a giant called Goliath, which kind of indicates the size of the problem the Israelites were dealing with. Goliath was a giant of a problem. The scene is set with two opposing armies. The Philistine and the Israelite armies were on two opposite sides of the valley and Goliath immediately takes centre stage. He was spoiling for a fight and he was coming against God's people. And you can read about it in 1 Samuel 17 verses 4 to 7. But you know the story. There was this gigantic man, Goliath, a champion warrior who was over nine feet tall. He was a one man army, had a full time armor bearer. And he wore the weightiest of armour that was impenetrable in every way. Actually, 
he came from a long line of supersized champions whose very appearance was enough to intimidate the Israelite army and paralyze them into inactivity, complete terror and fear. Not only was his appearance fear-inspiring, but his behaviour was too. And we see in verse 8 that he was aggressive, abusive, overwhelming and intimidating. And his verbal tirade went on and on for an extended period of 40 days. He wasn't taking no for an answer. He wasn't letting the Israelites off the hook. He wanted a fight and he wanted it now. And he issued this challenge that the Israelite army had to choose one man to fight him, to settle the score. And none of the Israelites were rushing to volunteer. And I'm not sure I would have blamed them, to be honest. But let's look at this man, this horrifying champion, and see him for who he really was. Because Goliath was an affront to God's people. He was a giant of an injustice. Look at him. Big, ugly, terrifying, immovable, overwhelming, aggressive, abusive, and historically so too. Remember, Goliath came from a long line of giants. The giant that's always been there, if you like. So the Israelite army weren't wrong to respond fearfully in the way they did. But isn't our response to situations of injustice like that of the Israelite army? Issues of injustice are often big issues. They can be overwhelming and historic. Issues of poverty, racism, abuses of power and so on, they're huge, aren't they? These are issues that can overwhelm us and can paralyze us into inactivity. We can feel so intimidated that we too become victims to unjust cultures and behaviors that seem so impossible to do anything about. And so we find ourselves with no other option than to bury our heads in the sand, just like the Israelites, because what can we do when the size of the threat or the problem is so big. I know for me personally, that is absolutely the response I had when I lived in Brazil. Over that time, I was faced with the realities of living with poverty and seeing firsthand the injustice and inequality. I became overwhelmed by the needs of those in poverty the millions of street kids and abandoned children. It was literally heartbreaking. The size of the problem like poverty can be so overwhelming that it is natural to feel small in the scale of things. What can I do? It's too much. It will never change. So why bother? I was talking with a friend of ours recently, Angela Kem. A lot of you will know her. She was telling us about some of her experiences of living in South Africa under apartheid, where the unjust treatment of black people had been rationalised and where they were treated as subhuman. Some of her stories were just shocking. What it must have been to live like in that setting, I honestly can't imagine. I know that her cry to God 
despite the injustice she saw, was for change. I know that there were times she looked at the widespread and systematic injustice of apartheid and thought, God, will it ever change? But God... But God had a solution to the giant-sized problem the Israelites faced. A solution that didn't involve inaction or burying their heads in the sand. The solution of small people capturing God's big heart for injustice. That's the essence of it. David was God's small solution to a big problem. So let's turn now and look at David. David was a small solution to a big problem. I love that size doesn't matter to God. He had a solution and it was just a cheeky young lad who carried his heart. And he's introduced to us in 1 Samuel 17 verses 12 to 15 which tells us how David was the youngest of eight sons. The three eldest were in Saul's army and the youngest brother, and as the youngest brother, it was David's job to go back and forth, taking food to his brothers on the front line, while also tending to his father's sheep back home in Bethlehem. David was only a young lad who, outwardly speaking, was completely unqualified to fight Goliath, the champion of the Philistines. As we've seen, David enters the story bringing food from home for his brothers. He sees what's going on and he hears the taunts of the giant and how the Israelites ran from him. And with some indignation in 1 Samuel 17 verse 26, he asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And it was at this point he hears about the reward that the man who kills the giant will get. The reward was getting the hand of the king's daughter in marriage and a tax exemption from his, for his whole family in verse 25. And suddenly we see that David is interested. Did David have questionable motives? Yes, absolutely. Some would say that you have to have it all sorted and have got it all together to do something for God. But from David's response here, we can see that we don't have to have perfect motives to get involved and to do things, which is actually a relief because none of us have perfect motives anyway. We're all complex characters. Well, I am. Like David was, sorry, it's true. What I love about David is that he didn't let his size, inexperience or the discouragements of his brothers stop him from acting after God's heart for justice. And neither did his dodgy motives and ambition stop God from using him either. Pretty cool, huh? And neither should any of these things stop us. I see a deeper motive at play here, which is that David saw 
what was going on. That Goliath was an affront to the people of God. He saw that it was wrong and needed putting right and that he was going to do something about it. It's important that we see where injustice comes from and that we see it for what it is. Injustice is offensive to God. It is an affront to God. And if we are to carry, as David did, God's heart, we need to get that. We need to see that justice, injustice, sorry, is offensive to God. When David stood before Goliath, he declared, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. You see that in verse 45. David knew right there that Goliath's challenge was an injustice coming against God and his people. And so he had to respond with God's heart, which was zero tolerance. We'll look at how he did that in my last point. But there's just one more thing to highlight before we move on. And it's an important one. For David, inactivity wasn't an option. Failing to act wasn't an option. He had to do something about it. He had to speak up. He had to step out. He had to take action to right the wrong and confront the injustice that he saw. Inactivity was not an option. And neither is inactivity an option for us either. If we want to be like David, a man after God's heart for justice, we have to act too. The size of the problem or injustice isn't an excuse for inactivity. And neither is our smallness or inexperience an excuse either. God takes us as we are with all of our imperfections, our inexperience and inadequacies too. He just requires a heart that is open to be used by him. A heart that is prepared to act. A heart that is after his own heart. And that leads me to my final point, which is about our response. What is the stone in your hand? Let me just take you through the last few verses in the passage where David enters the battle. He steps up and moves forward and confronts the giant problem. And the giant roars at him. Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And this is where we see that confrontation requires courage. Confrontation requires courage. No one said that it would be easy to fight a giant. Giants of injustice fight back. 
they accuse and they curse. David required real courage to face Goliath. It took courage to confront a giant of this magnitude. But we see here, actually, that David had been practicing courage from an early age. He'd been practicing it. He'd practiced it when he fought the lions and the bears. And if you look back over your life, perhaps you'll see the same. Times when you've stood out or you've stood up. Have you ever thought about it like that before? You've been practicing courage. And if we have God's heart for justice, we will have to practice and grow courage too. We will need courage. The kind of courage we saw in the 11-year-old girl who told the police officers to get off George Floyd's neck, she needed courage. And there was the teenage girl who videoed the whole thing on her mobile phone and she showed it to the world. She needed courage. And there was the man who phoned the police on the police. He needed courage. When we know that something isn't right, it doesn't matter who we are, where we come from, or how old we are, it takes courage to confront. And David refused to be intimidated. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And in challenging injustice, we need to see that there is a spiritual dimension and that the weapons of our warfare are not physical, but spiritual. There is a real spiritual dimension in unseating injustice and pulling down their spiritual strongholds. So let's see injustice for what it is a present darkness and an evil that can only be unseated with spiritual weapons. Which leads me to talk about David's weapons, which led to the defeat of this giant. And they were weapons that were quite unexpected. And actually, his strategy was quite an unexpected strategy. And again, you know the story. Referring in verse 49, we see David reached into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and it struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he faced, he fell faced down onto the ground. It was a bit sneaky, really, because David didn't stick to the agreed form of man to man armed combat. He used an unexpected strategy. The weapon of warfare that he practiced from his youth. He was, after all, a superstar champion sling slayer. So what can we learn from this? That we must rely on God's strategy and not ours when it comes to fighting any kind of giant. His wisdom and the gifting that he has put within each one of us David unseated the problem 
with an unexpected strategy. To overcome the strongholds of injustice, we need God's strategy. And I want to finish with a challenge for you. Are you ready? What's the stone in your hand? We know that David took five stones, but he only needed one. I believe that God has given each one of us stones in our hand that we can use to unseat the giants of injustice that are so prevalent in our society, nation and world. What's your stone? What is the stone that's in your hand for the injustice that you see? There are so many giants of injustice in the world today that range from racism to modern slavery, poverty, inequality, domestic violence, climate change, pollution, sexism, ageism. The list is endless. But what's the stone in your hand? What has God called you to do? What are the gifts and talents that he's given you? What can you do? Rob, could you come up? I'm just going to pray. God, would you give us your heart as you gave it to David? Would you give it to us today? Help us to realise that we each have a stone in our hands. Father, we're sorry for the times when we've buried our heads in the sand and allowed ourselves to become overwhelmed by the injustice we see and become paralysed into inactivity. Would you grow your heart in us, a heart for justice? We know that justice is an evil and a very present darkness in our world and that it is an affront to you. Help us to use the spiritual weapons that you've given us to unseat the giants of injustice and give us your strategy, we pray. And God, would you grow courage in us? We feel so small sometimes and so powerless to do anything. But you've given us courage. Would you help us to practice courage, to grow courage? Now, Lord, would you help us to feel the weight of the stones that you've put in our hands? If you're at home, just put your hands out now. I encourage you. And feel the weight of the stones that he's given you and ask him, Lord, what are you asking me to do? What is he calling you to do? Is it a stone for advocacy, petitioning or for getting behind a charity that's involved in fighting one of these injustices? Is it supporting them financially? Is it praying for them? 
what's your stone? And I just want to finish by praying for people who in their workplace fight these giants of injustice. So if that's you, I know it's a bit awkward, but could you stand at home just as a sign of your response to God? Heavenly Father, we pray for your anointing, for David's anointing, his heart of justice, to come down on these dear ones now. That the anointing for justice would come on them. And we pray, Lord God, that would you give them your heavenly strategy? Would you grow courage in them, in their workplace, to unseat the giants of injustice that they face. Give them your strategy, Lord God, we pray. And God will cry out to you, as Angela did, facing the injustice of apartheid. We cry out to you for victory in unseating the giants of injustice that we face in our society today. Would you give us your heart and strategy, and see this stronghold come tumbling down. We ask it in your name. Use us, O God. Amen. Rob, is there anything else you want to add? No, I've got nothing to add other than Alison asked me to stand with her as she prayed because of the seriousness, really, of of what she felt to pray. And this is a key part of the Jubilee vision and message that Alison's spoken about today. And uh, so I'm literally just standing with Alison as she uh, communicates this message to the church and and also prays for you. And uh, Father, I just want to pray an incredible blessing on every one of us that you would use us in our different places and our different ways to speak up on issues of injustice. Father, we ask your blessing on every workplace, on every family, on every community represented, those that are watching us live here today, those that are going to watch us on the recording as well. Father, we just thank you that this is your heart that we're talking about. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.